Huh, that's a funny looking cigarette. You roll it yourself? Once again, live in the wonderful, wonderful IFTYH studio, I am your host, Justin Schwartz, and I'm of course joined by the lovely one and only Ryan Graff. How are you, my friend? Feeling extra lovely today, my friend. <laughs> Excited to get back, uh, back to the bread and butter of ITYH. Bread, butter, meat, potatoes. We're getting into the good stuff today. Uh, on this episode, we're going to be covering Husky Bobby, uh, the man who shot Kane Skredeberg, and the son that got away. Um, Graf, can I can I hand it off to you for some production notes on Husky Bobby, please? Yeah. All right. So um, first episode we're doing today, it's going to be season two, episode six, Husky Bobby. It originally aired in November or on November 9th, 1997. It was directed by uh, Martin Archer, who uh, also directed Shins of the Father, worked on Rugrats for a few years, and was the main storyboard artist for the Simpsons video game. Weird. <laughs> uh, literally every every episode we have somebody that worked on some sort of Simpsons thing. Man, Simpsons hit and run, and uh, not necessarily the Simpsons video game, but Simpsons hit and run. That game fucking rips. Absolutely oh, rips. Yeah, hit and run is the shit. I played that on my original Xbox so often, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. And then um the episode was written by Jonathan Collier, who also wrote Keeping Up with the Joneses. Um, and spent the rest of his career pretty much working on The Simpsons and Monk, and also a couple ep- directed a couple episodes of Bones. But um, that's about it for that. Cool. I know that this is uh, probably your favorite episode in the three we're covering this week. So. Uh, it, this this one comes close to Kane Skreiderberg. Like I, I think the first two are heavy hitters. Yeah, I, I, let's let's share some thoughts on this episode just right off the top. I mean, so. The, the episode does cover weight quite a bit, which is like an interesting topic for the time. It's 97. It started out and I was like, oh, man, this is going to be one of those episodes where we're just going to have to sit down and be like, guys, it was a different time. <laughs> you know, it's it, it starts out a little weird with that stuff and then it kind of turns around and then I feel like it kind of turns around again. But the writing like throughout it nonstop, very good. The, the dialogue is great. Um, you know, aside from like little moments here and there where it's like you know, maybe hasn't aged so well because of it just being a byproduct of his time. There are moments that are just like, holy shit, this is actually incredibly ahead of its time. So yeah, I, I, I think this is a, this is a good one. I definitely get that. Like, I think that when I went into watching it, I was just like, oh shit. I, all I remembered was like the ending of the episode really. Um, mm-hmm. But I was iconic really, really. Yeah. I was impressed to see that they weren't really body shaming Bobby or calling him fat or anything like that. No, the only people that were doing that were Hank and the bullies in the episode. Yeah, yeah. Everyone else was like, why are you being such a dick? And the yeah. only reason Hank was really being a dick, I think 
in one of my favorite flashbacks in the series so far. Oh my god, <laughs> is because Hank was a, a shitty bully when he was, he a, bully was a himself. Kid. He's so projecting. He yeah, he doesn't want Bobby to get made fun of. So I don't think Hank is necessarily like ashamed or upset that Bobby is a a little husky rotund boy, mm-hmm. but um, he also knows that there are plenty of people that are going to make fun of him for being um, yeah that so like you said it, i went in with worst expectations but they actually they turned very, around really well there's there's some didn't good really commentary make fun of anybody for being fat they were more just showing that other people will and exactly trying exactly. to avoid it and we'll, we'll we'll dive more into that as we run through the episode so just to kind of give like a little recap um so episode opens with the family on a shopping outing uh and hank is (laughs) hank is really admiring some work boots uh peggy wants some earrings and and of course hank this is a very classic kind of like american father uh i feel like relatable incident i can't personally relate because my dad's an ashkenazi jew who you know we're we're more good at like comedy bits than we are being handy uh but i feel like a lot of american dads are like oh buy things that are practical and then they never actually use them you know yeah so he's he's explaining to peg that earrings are not not practical (laughs) which which comes full circle i just remembered right to the end of the episode too but um yeah no they're when they go inside they they are talking just more about the products and stuff and one of the things that really resonated with me was uh when Bobby goes to try on his pair of pants that he finds, Peggy's like, Bobby, make it work. These are on sale. And I was just <laughs> like, Oh my God. I probably heard like my one of my parents say that. Like Yeah, yeah, for sure. At some point, <laughs> you know. So yeah, so Bobby's trying to squeeze himself and poor Bobby is trying to squeeze himself into the, the discount pants and he, he just can't make it work. And uh the the manager approaches the hills and in a not super polite way kind of just tells him like it's he's not gonna fit into our pants you know uh so they they end up getting directed to and i love the name for this store uh almost almost kind of insensitive you know like h dump these you're like calling the fucking kids eggs like uh uh but they end up going to h dump these um and i when Hank is going into the shop, it's it's actually interesting because you you can see a little bit of sensitivity coming out, and he's he's really trying to make this work and, and be okay for Bobby. He's like, and it's also it's almost loaded too because he's just like, I want this to go smoothly so we don't have to talk about this. So yeah. this is over with as quickly as possible. Yeah, like, to- totally, compass- totally. Again, his compassion is utilitarian <laughs> yeah a hundred percent at the same time I, there, there's got to be a little bit of love for his son there but oh, like yeah. yeah it is definitely mostly like i don't want to have to deal with this and he's he's going through like oh wow the the stretch must be some sort of advanced polymer <laughs> it stretches for uh sports and for skateboarding <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and when uh when he's trying to justify that there's there's a ton of athletic young boys in there and they're all wearing sneakers and ball caps you know it's just like sweet dad shit but um you know obviously bobby finds out it's it's a it's a fat kid store and he gets kind of upset about it and has a little bit of a breakdown um 
but you know after kind of coming to terms with it he ends out trying a bunch of the outfits on and dress up montage I love yeah that. yeah super great and, i look uh, like a preacher <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 definitely a cute little interaction and we get approached by by the manager who basically offers a modeling job to bobby because he, he looks so goddamn good in them h dumpy clothes well it's it's actually the owner the owner how dumpy oh Gosh. He says it real I quick. Up I, I rewind it. That's Hal Dumpty. Because like, that's not the last reference to the name in the episode. I'll bring it up later. But yeah, they actually, I was like, at least they're going to make a shitty joke, but they're going to stretch it for the entire episode. So. I didn't even pick up on that. I can't, can't wait to hear about it. Um, So yeah, Bobby gets offered a modeling job, which of course makes hank even more uncomfortable like what what could be worse than like his son becoming like uh an underwear model for plus size boys you know um bobby's really stoked and into it but you know it's it's just not gonna happen through hank's eyes so we we leave the, sh the shop bobby's got a bunch of like clothes that he actually fits into and i, I did take a quote from here i really loved the i i thought i was an extra large but it turns out I'm a medium. <laughs> oh uh, you know, he's he's just bragging to Lu Luann how how good he looks in the clothes. He's super stoked. I was and, gonna uh, say I ha I have one uh, Luann ism. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, hit me with it. Because Bobby's got his little uh, sweater vest and his little loafers on. He's like <laughs> Luann, I look so good, and she's like, "What changed about you? Did did I cut your hair or something?" <laughs> and I was just like, "Oh my god." yeah it's it's cool all these little interactions that the characters have like really do kind of like they, they feel very like real and lived in especially for the time for me i mean I, I feel like you look at a lot of other adult animation of the time and like really just kind of feels a lot more quippy you know where these characters just they, they feel so personable yeah a hundred percent i feel like yeah, and it's this. I think that runs with the show for so long, just because there are so many showrunners and like producers and writers that will cover in length. Yeah, that have worked on this show for like hundreds of episodes. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, crazy. it's it's a it's it's an absolute labor of love, and it shows. Um, so you know, Luann finds out that Bobby was offered a modeling gig, and of course, she offers to to drive him. Uh kind of a funny Luann quote there where she you know explains that she's going to be uh his his stylist and um his driver and she's working on getting her license in both which is just kind of another cute little Luannism. yeah she, um, she's in that one scene for like 10 seconds and yeah. it's like both of her lines are so quotable yeah 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 um so uh bobby goes to the photo shoot and we don't we don't actually even get a sequence of that but we just get bobby approaching hank and uh, mentioning uh a man has taken pictures of me which uh you know out of context is very upsetting to really probably any parent uh but yeah it, it just goes back to the i don't know if any anybody that listens to us listens to the last podcast but i'm a uh a photographer that's what i do full time and they have a a streak of mentioning every serial killer trying lure prey in as like a photographer like oh i'll take mm -hmm. your picture and i'm just like 
Oh my god. <laughs> Dude, we see it all the time, all these hot biddies like, oh, oh, come come model for me. And like I swear to God, like that is like one of I mean you know, I'm sure some people are fine with it, and it is what it is, but it, it's just, I don't know. I've always gotten creepy vibes from the dudes who have, like, really nice cameras that are, like, taking a bunch of pictures of hot girls, you know? Yeah, no, I I like taking pictures of, like, buildings and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll take pictures of my friends, but I'm not, like, I'm not, like, approaching, like, women I Chil- meet for the first oh, time. Like, oh, let children. me take pictures of... Yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and, you know, this this episode definitely dumps on that in a way that I, I really love and what we'll see as, as we go on here. So, um, you know, obviously Hank has found out that Bobby is in this photo shoot at this point and it's going to be printed in the paper. You know, he tries to get it pulled, but they don't pull it. So uh, his strategy is to go around the entire neighborhood ripping the ad out of the paper. Um, but I, I do, like, maybe my favorite dialogue in the whole episode is when he approaches Bill. And, and uh, Bill's like, did, did you come over to have breakfast with me because you thought I was lonely? I'll get the potatoes ready. And, you know, he, he just walks in and he just starts cooking for Hank. And Hank just leaves. It's just like, goddamn, Bill is such a such a treasure of a character just this fucking... he's so oh, he's so good i wish i had a neighbor that would make breakfast for me i'd go over every day yeah i don't care how divorced you are i'll hang out cook me some hash yeah, browns you could be twice three times removed i don't care so um bobby acts uh, absolutely kills it with the photo shoot and a talent agency uh starts to wanting or wants to work with him there's kind of some like back and forth with uh peg and hank on this and to kind of touch on what we had explained at the beginning of this episode there's kind of this like interesting back and forth commentary that like kind of lands in the middle where like you know peggy's take is like the world is different we celebrate differences now and hank's take is like people are going to notice differences and like you know although it should be that way like it's like people are probably going to be shitty yeah they're still shitty people and I also, I want to clarify, it's not just any ad agency. It's uh, Arlen's second biggest uh, PR <laughs> manager. Yeah, not, not the first. They couldn't get the first. <laughs> yeah. Um, so basically, uh, Peggy and Bobby meet with this guy, and he, he offers them water, and they're, they're like really stoked to be getting bottled water, which is just, that's some redneck shit, dude. You know, well, like. Dude, do you remember, like, shit this like i said it came out in 97 you remember before bottled water was like really popular Mm -hmm. i remember when i was like growing up and my friends parents would have it at their house before like my family started buying it being like y'all don't get water out the sink like (laughs) (laughs) i feel like i just drank soda going up growing up so i i like don't even have a good grasp on like when it became bottled which is kind of awful in its own right um yeah there was a time there was a time before yeah dude (laughs) fuck fuck bottled water everyone should get a reusable bottle um so peggy is like stoked on it she's like i'll I'll save mine for later it's just like again like some some redneck ass shit so we get this just kind of like back and forth between this like creepy like boy talent agent i guess and and bobby and he's explaining the new gravitas fashion line and i this this is like the most admirable trait about bobby to me is just like 
he just leans into everything so fucking hard. I want hard. that account. Yeah. <laughs> you, okay. you went from, you know, being stoked and learning about it to just like, oh, I'm I'm a model now, you know? Well, yeah, he, know, he knows what, what he wants to do. He's going to give it a shot. That's the, like you said, the most admirable thing about Bobby is that he is very tr- true to himself in what he likes and what he wants to do. Yeah, yeah. Real quick. I did want to bring up, this is the last reference to H. Dumpty's in the episode. While they're flipping mm-hmm. through the uh, book with Andy Maynard and showing him like the, the clippings and shit, mm-hmm. it's, uh, there's a picture of Bobby's ad that says H. Dumpty's Great Fall Sale. <sighs> and I was just like, yes. Comes together. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> the payoff. Dumpty's Great Fall. <laughs> you know some writer like pushed really hard to get that in there and like we are the only ones who have ever noticed it. <laughs> I you know what? If we're if we're the two people in the club, that's fine. I I saw it and I appreciated it. And now and now all the wonderful listeners of ITYH are in on the club. I would just <laughs> love I would like to thank um marijuana because uh if I wasn't so stoned taking notes for this episode, I probably wouldn't have paused it and made that connection. Yeah, yeah I've, I've heard it makes you extra perceptive. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, Bobby is, is really in on this uh, fashion line in, in the show. Um, and basically, we, we get a cut to the gang and Hank kind of talking about what's going on, and they're kind of just like, joshing on him and being mean and and hank in a certain sense is almost taking bobby's side here trying to tell him to not be so mean uh but i think he he gets so upset that he's like fuck it i'm just gonna go to the uh, fashion show because my now my friends are being assholes to me like um and you know you you can almost see the immediate regret when he's walking around and there's all of these new york art folk uh walking around when he finally does find Luann and Peggy, his first uh, first line is, I feel like I've died and gone to New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's he's just completely uh, uncomfortable in the situation. And here is the juiciest part of the episode for me is uh, we, we meet Carlo, the weird, creepy, uh, ambiguously foreign... Uh, photographer or direct he's not even shooting he's he's just the director right like he's well, he's, he's, like... Shoot, he's shooting at the end but yeah okay well like but he's yeah just this like very strange dude who photographs plus-sized boys uh so uh we prior to the episode we discussed putting together a little game um and basically in this sequence we have carlo directing bobby and just being real fucking weird and you know he's dressing him up on all these different outfits and kind of running through some stuff so i have in front of me three real outfits and dialogue and three fake outfits and dialogue and my my friend graph here is uh going to guess fake or real on them i've directed him to not take any notes on this section so i did so not no cheat i was i was actually watching this part right when you texted me that you wanted to do something like this and i was like <laughs> yeah so here's I, I have i have described uh bobby as a series of different boys 
and I, you will get a a uh, a dialogue line to follow up, and you will have to tell me whether it is real or fake, and we'll see just how well Mr. Graf was paying attention. Are you ready? I am as ready as I'm going to get. Let's start the Husky Boy Challenge. <laughs> All right, so uh, first one we have... Uh, lifeguard boy and i'm i'm gonna try and do the ambiguous foreign accent so uh you know i'm i guess sorry if if i offend someone uh it's a, a made-up accent so yeah it I, truly is uh, and we're making fun of like basically a pedophile here so hey hey there lifeguard look at you up on your perch so high they splash they splash but not you <laughs> I think I'm pretty sure that's a real one, but you hearing your <laughs> uh that that's that I remember him being a lifeguard, but okay. good lord, right. you you do your voice very well. <laughs> yeah, you you nailed it. That is a real one. Uh, maybe we can edit some applause in there. Um, all right, so we have Rancher Boy. Uh, hi, cowboy. Look at you, so rugged and determined. That's, that's fake. That's fake. Nailed it. Good job. Good job. Okay. We so have... Rugged and determined. <laughs> we have uh, the pop star boy. The fans are going crazy. Give them what you want. Your style. <laughs> I am not sure because I'm trying to think or trying to determine if I'm misremembering. Oh, also, I, I I misspoke there. Uh, give them what they want, your style, not what you want. Oh, uh, but I'm trying because I'm just confused if I'm remembering Bill from the Hotties episode, <laughs> <laughs> or if I'm thinking of. I'm gonna say that's true. Eh. Oh. You're almost there. It was Bill. All right, so we are two right, one wrong. Um, you got some time to come back here, Graf. Make, it, make a nice little score for yourself. So next up, we have the football boy. Run, run, look at you go. Go to the 50, go to the 60. This is your Olympic dream come true. <laughs> that was real because I remember once yeah. he says the thing about the Olympics, Hank thighs really mm -hmm. hard because... Football's not. Yeah, this, that's 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 the, the most softball of all of them. Um, we got two left right now. Is gra graph is uh, three and one. So uh, we are going to go to the uh, Baker Boy next. You want to take a bite? Mmm, so fresh and delicious. Maybe just a taste. Oh, oh it's not ready. <laughs> Fake ones are are better. Than <laughs> yeah, I, I should have been a writer, huh? Um, that's fake. So, and we'll we'll go. The right now, graph is uh, f you know, four and one, absolutely nailing it. And we 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 know the last one's gonna be real, but I'll I'll just read it for the fans. How about that? Let's go for it. It's your birthday, yes. You're older now. Where has the time gone, little man? You make a wish for something magical. Don't tell. <laughs> that one's so good too. Yeah, so that's that's part. maybe the best one. Yeah, he's dude. Uh, such such a treat of the episode to just like dump on this creepy dude. Um, oh my god, my 
fucking head hurts from the <laughs> from your baker boy. <laughs> it, ooh, it's not ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was fun. So we're, we'll we'll try and do more uh, creative, little fun stuff like that as as we think of it. Um, so good job, Graph, the number one king of the whole fan with uh, almost perfect score on our on our little game there. Um, so this part of the episode actually kind of starts to feel a little rushed to me, but I mean, it's, you know, 23 minute episodes, what, what are we going to do? Um, so basically we have, uh, Hank pulling Bobby out of the, the fashion shoot and, um, uh, Bobby ends up wanting or getting chosen to go to this like big fashion show, right? Yeah. Yeah. The little junior plus size fashion show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, they they reference it at the uh, the the first shoot where we meet Carlo, and Hank is just not not gonna let it happen. He's he's driving everyone back, and he's like, "Nope, like I'm not gonna explain myself. I don't need to explain myself. Like I I am right here, right? Just classic kind of American uh, father. No no explanation needed. Am I right? He, he put. I, I'm pretty sure at the beginning of the scene when they're driving home, he puts the windows up, and at the end, Luann's like, can you roll the window down? My hair's stuck. <laughs> like, yeah. but, Classic little Luann bit, just, just being, yeah. being silly. Um, So, basically, Bobby is, is making a plan to sneak out and go on his own. Um, you know hank is is running back and forth with uh peg the night before that um we we forgot to teach the boy shame and it's, uh, <laughs> bobby ends up sneaking out for it and um there's this kind of funny sequence where where hank rips over the covers and you know it's the classic ferris bueller like you know the Pillow setup basketball exactly yeah and um then we have him ripping off the covers for Luann, who, you know, he thinks also snuck out and took Bobby, but it's, it's really just Luann and Buckley. <laughs> and uh, I did pull out a little quote because I thought it was super funny uh, where Hank is pissed off at both of them, obviously, for Buckley sleeping over. He's like, you you two take turns kicking each other's asses. <laughs> yeah, I'm in a crisis situation. You two take turns kicking each other's asses, dude. Uh, so good. And then um, we immediately get, I think, just Bobby uh, making his way into the mall to the the fashion show. Yeah, yeah. And we have basically, um, we, we meet Andy Maynard, the uh, star of the talent agency, of, of the creepy plus-size talent agent. I do um, have one Andy Maynard comment. I, yeah, yeah. Just because I just watched um, Akira the other night. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you have seen it. I was watching it with my friend Lexi. Shout out, eat my peppermint peppermint snatch. Go watch that <laughs> YouTube video shit. It's coming out in a couple days on the twenty second. Cool. But anyways, Andy Maynard looks like the little old old child in the the floating chair in Akira. I don't know if you've ever seen. I it. haven't seen it. No. Okay. Anyways, ityh pod on instagram text me send me a or dm if you know what i'm talking about because andy maynard <laughs> looks like a creepy little boy but Interesting. anyways yeah but he turns out to be a massive dick he's just being mean to bobby and, and taking up the whole makeup counter and it's like you, you want to get in trouble 
And Bobby's like, no, he's like saying, get me a brownie. And he's just like some like little fucking punk ass kid, you know? Um, so Hank, you know, knowing what the situation is, basically rushes to the mall with Peg to, to, to stop the situation and uh kind of creepy move here on hank he just storms into a boy's dressing room um you know definitely a, a different time because i feel like you you put that into context now and you're just like jesus christ like if someone did that they would go to jail today I mean, right he's the father of one of the boys so Even I, then. It, it would be different i mean i'm just saying like can't uh, can't blame a father for going to get yeah. his son. Yeah, that's fair. But that's fair. Yes, if it was just a stranger from walking around the mall that was like, "Hello, boys. <laughs> I heard you guys were all husky." <laughs> like yeah. that would be that if basically if he did what Donald Trump did during his tenure as running the uh, Miss America beauty pageants, where you just hang out in the dressing rooms can, and shit. Can we have a side? south florida mall diatribe for a second here because something just popped into my brain and i want to work through it <laughs> uh yeah as somebody who worked at the uh boca town center mall yeah so you 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 spent time at town center mall i assume and you spent a little bit Too of time much. there when you were like in in your early years at all um really? i started working there when i was like 16 okay did you spend any time there prior to that not really. Okay. I was a like not a mall punk kid. I was uh like when under when we were about twelve, <laughs> thirteen, there was this creepy fucking old dude who would like walk around the mall and he would just Do you know him? The one that had the Lady Gaga yeah. shirts on it. Yeah, I have a picture I used to have a picture with him that I took on my like flip phone in high school. What was up with that guy? I don't know. I think he's like a comedian or something. Apparently he's actually, I don't fucking know. I don't know anything about him. I know that he used to have an Instagram or some shit, but weird, I think... weird situation that, that, that weirded me out at that age. It still weirds me out to, to this. Yeah. Day. So like, sorry to cut you off. Continue. If you want to give context to the listeners about this man. Yeah. So there was just this like very old dude, like probably like 60s, 70s that would walk around our local mall wearing like very like, I don't know, young teenage like band merch and just like wearing like the shader glasses, which were like really popular at the time. And just like, I don't know, man, gives gives me kind of like creepy pedo vibes. Like, I don't I don't know the guy. I never interacted with him, but I just remember seeing a lot of like my friends take videos of him. He always seemed to be alone, but he, I, I think yeah. he probably and somehow, like, he, liked the attention from, like, kids, which is fucking weird. When he, what's it called? When he um wasn't wearing, like, actual band shirts, like, he would wear these, like, it was, like you said, the shader glasses. I was just thinking, watching a Kanye West documentary the other, or last night with my roommate. <laughs> Gotta keep the haters out of your vision. Well, it was like that, like, uh, what's it called? College dropout era, where everyone mm -hmm. was wearing fucking, like, neon colors in their mm -hmm. shader glasses and shit. Yeah. But he would wear neon shirts that literally had, like, iron-on, like, uh, letters that would say, like, Lady Gaga or, like, Madonna. Like, they were, like, the worst, like, bootleg Comic mm -hmm. Sans band shirts ever. But Yeah, it was yeah. really strange. It's it's a strange so, thing that... that uh that just came out of my brain just talking about 
people being weird to kids and balls. <laughs> but we can get back to the episode now. The, the Sorry for the right, diatribe, right. y'all. But I, you know, it's that's you you come for the king of the hill, you stay for the tangents. Um. <laughs> so anyway, we have we have Hank bursting on the set. Uh, Bobby is getting ready to go on first because he is he is outshining Andy Maynard. But uh, Hank gets to him first. There's kind of this just like back and forth. They're they're upset with each other. And I don't know if you picked up on this, but the animation style when it cuts to Hank, I thought was really cool. And just like an interesting thing to know that like the animators made a point to make Hank look like you are looking at him from the perspective of Bobby. Like he's much larger and taller and like kind of pointing down. Yeah. And you're also only looking at Bobby from like over Hank's shoulder, I think, in that scene too, like when it switches yeah. back to Bobby. Yeah. Which is like kind of an interesting way to animate things, especially for the time. Um Good catch. That, that is a, a cool scene. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Um, so Bobby is, you know, being walked out of the show with Hank here, and he makes a last minute break to go back out first, because you know, he he would have been it. Uh, and Hank just like grabs him and walks him out, just throws, throws him, him over his shoulder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, "Wait, Bobby, one second. How about you put on this poncho what, yeah. until we get outside?" Yeah. And then I do want a one bit of foreshadowing in like the fastest three, um, <clears throat> three act play ever. Uh, when we did walk into the mall, we see Dooley and all of the other older teenagers walk up and ask what's going on at the event yeah. and some lady's like well it's a it's a show for husky kids yeah. and we got free donuts and he's like we'll do it for the children <laughs> as they're walking out you see Dooley and all of the kids start walking up to the donut stand as the show starts yeah so you know andy maynard grabs the the hat the, the sailor boy hat that falls off of bobby and uh the 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 plus size fashion show begins, uh, and and as we would expect with the uh, society, we have a couple of uh, jerks, duly included. Uh, albeit a jerk, a very loved character on on this show, uh, and they're they're instilling chaos. It is it is a bloodbath of of jelly donuts. There are I was gonna say, everywhere. dude, the way they animate it is so cinematic. It's like mm -hmm. a death scene in like a Vietnam movie. <laughs> yeah, it really is. They have the the like this episode and um Kane Skedeberg, they both like are this ending and that whole episode are both like so like inspired by like war movies. Like they're mm -hmm. weirdly cinematic, like when you yeah. watch them. Yeah, for sure. The animation on both of these episodes are like probably of the episodes we've covered some of the coolest animation sequences, yeah. I think. Like you can you can really see the show getting into itself. Yeah, um, 100%. But yeah, no, just Donut Bloodbath is at the end here and we have the Hill family watching from the like mall bridge that overlooks the stage and uh like I said, the landing here is very like mixed for me cuz the take is like oh Hank was right. People are going to be assholes. And like, the, there isn't like, I don't think there's any direct fat shaming. I think it's more just like a commentary on like the, like at the time, maybe like interactions and, and thoughts on, on weight, maybe. Um, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to hear your thoughts too, if you got any. 
you know, I mean, I would just say that, yeah, it's kind of shitty the way that it closes out where it's kind of, like you said, justifying Hank's um, apprehensive nature to do anything outside of the box or let Bobby do that. Yeah, or just like body positivity in general. Right? Yeah. I mean, but I think with Hank, it has less to do with that because he's also friends with Bill. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like he he cares hates... more about the outcome. Yeah, he he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't care if you're fat or whatever. He's just like, don't embarrass me <laughs> ever. Or you yourself, know? I think, is like maybe also like it's yeah. like there there is a you know genuine concern for like his son. I think that's like. Hank as a character, his biggest drive is like avoiding embarrassment. <laughs> like that is way to like life. <laughs> his biggest fear is like he wants to be happy doing his own thing, but he hates when like other people are looking at him like under a microscope. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Which is kind of what he's trying to avoid for Bobby in this episode, which kind of pulls around full circle. Yeah. So I think that that closes out Husky uh, Bobby for me. Um, let's let's get back on to uh, the man that shot Kane Skredberg. All right. So still on season two. This one's episode seven. Um, it was originally aired November 16th, 97, just a week after uh, the other episode. Um, it was directed by Monty Young. Um, he directed only a couple of episodes of King of the Hill, from what I could see. But he did direct uh, Hank's Got the Willies, which is one of my favorites of season one. And the episode was written by Johnny Hardwick, our good buddy, the voice of Dale Gribble. Mm-hmm. Unsurprisingly. Yeah. Which kind of goes back to what I said in the first episode, like, it is so that's part of the charm of King of the Hill is that there are so many people like Johnny Hardwick and like everybody else that ran on it that were part of it from start to finish and kept it like gold the whole time, yeah. you know. We should try and get him on the show, honestly. Wouldn't that be crazy? That would be cool. I feel like we could eat. He's still doing crazy, or he was doing crazy stuff on YouTube for a while, and I feel like maybe he's not busy enough that he'd have the time to shoot the shit with some fans. But we can, we can, we can take that conversation offline. That could be something for our stream. We'll talk about that <laughs> at the end of the episode. But um, yeah, so for the man who shot Kane Skredberg, we uh, start out. I'm never gonna be able to say Skedeberg the whole time i'm i've been calling him scret scretberg i've been calling him scretberg to myself <laughs> but we'll see take a shot every time i mess up um but don't drive afterwards <laughs> we start out with a cold open with the alley gang using a uh, bill's leaf blower <laughs> um boomhauer is shirtless for some reason which i felt need to make note of very in character for him though yeah, but the, the leaf blower is not blowing anything. They're trying, and Hank's just like, that's what you get for getting one of them Japanese leaf blowers. They're they're delicate. They're made for blowing the bonsai trees and cherry <laughs> blossoms, and I fucking died. Yeah, yeah. That. And then it moves over to Bobby and Joseph 
which I feel like they cut something out of this episode because it's so weird. Yeah. To start it off. But one, Bobby, one thing I do I do want to make note of though. We have yeah. an interaction between the gang with their leaf blower and uh I, th- I think they just call him like pops, pops like the, the old the man, old man yeah. uh, on on the street and uh he's he's upset about the noise they're causing insisting they use a rake and you know they're they're kind of giving him flack for being an old man and not understanding leaf blowers which is to me this is almost like karmic foreshadowing for what's gonna yeah. happen later yeah. in the episode like they're bu- bullying an old dude they're about to get bullied for being old <laughs> i'm sorry pops but um <laughs> Yeah, but after that interaction with Pops, we've got this weird scene of Bobby and Joseph just crawling out onto the the front lawn, and I guess they just got out of their chicken pox quarantine. Um, so the parents want to reward them and are like, we can do whatever you guys want. You guys were so brave, and they're just trying to like stand up straight. They decide to go to the fun center, but... Um, on right before they actually head out you hear bill saying that there's that dang rock band again and uh we get his reply from or from hank you know that's not rock there's nothing wrong with only knowing three chords but just put them in the right order so to to which i say hank hill just doesn't understand punk rock it's all about putting them in the wrong order hank i uh there's i will read verbatim one of the next lines of my notes was hank is no match for punk (laughs) um (laughs) but so at at that comment um the whole alley gang descends upon the scrutterberg house where uh kane scrutterberg and his friends are playing uh some sort of I forgot to take notes of what they were saying. It's uh, no, no, no. It's dude, it was stuck in my head. Like it's the the tracks here are actually not bad, and um, we'll meet Kane Scrutterberg in a second. But as we kind of discussed before the episode, it's voiced by uh, uh, the drummer of Green Day. I forgot his name. Trey Cool. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's just like, thou shall not do this. Yeah. <laughs> thou shall not do that. Yeah, it's like the most like first punk band you were ever yeah in, yeah it's, it's like school. shitty punk like yeah but um so they go up they interact with the kids and <clears throat> he's trying to just get them to turn it down or yeah you know try to reason with them and the whole time the kid on the keyboard is sampling uh <laughs> hank and he's like absolutely clouding on hank yeah listen i i laugh at tony danza i get a joke tony danza tony danza you know yeah. like <laughs> I, I was oh a uh, quick shout out i watched part of this episode with casey and uh he was he was just so excited to like see hank like getting upset over like 10 things being plugged in because he's like, yeah He's like the same way now, but like whenever he plays shows, he's like, you know, daisy chaining, dumping a bunch of fucking oh, like yeah. chords into chords. Does your dad know you're doing this? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so <clears throat> Hank gets frustrated and uh, leaves. He's like I said, Hank is no match for punk. So they leave and everybody uh, and their families, the whole alley gang and their family go to the fun center. But um the crew goes out to go. Um everybody's 
playing uh, arcade games. Crew goes out to go golfing and do the uh, driving range and everything. And as they're playing golf, Bobby and Joseph run up and they're like, these older kids cornered us and kept shooting us and shooting us. And they're covered in paintball shots. So Hank goes over with the alley gang and sees Kane Skredeberg talking to Luann. Luann's like, that's such a good Xerox of you. Yeah, he's he's showing her the, the DIY uh, uh, flyer he got done at Kinkos. Yeah, exactly. What, one one quick note here. I feel like they had to have some like cool fucking DIY punks on the writing team to like it. There, there are parts of this episode that just feel so like MTV, like Beavis and Butthead. Like, well, I mean, 90s, it's a it's a Mike it's a Mike Judge thing. Mike yeah. Judge Mike Judge likes his punk. Yeah, it, it is proven. I I feel like Johnny Hardwick. If he's if Johnny Hardwick wrote this episode, then he was like, okay, I can't get henry rollins to do a voice but especially at this time in 97 mm-hmm. to be like in 1997 to be like hey let's get green day to do voice like guest voices like you cut because green day was badass back then i don't give a yeah, shit yeah yeah like, no they they were like you know free american idiot like they they were pretty legit yeah but um so i think yeah there's definitely at least Johnny Hardwick. We'll have to ask him that um, what his favorite <laughs> punk album is um, when he comes on the show. <laughs> but uh, what's it called? They um, <clears throat> end up uh, challenging the punks to a pitball or pinball paintball. God damn, paintball match! And uh, they go out and immediately get get. Uh, Caught by them, and they're paraded out in front of the other golfers at the fun center, and executed, forced down on their knees and shot war crime style. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, it's and, uh, it's it's like you said, it's it's weird. Like, they're not weird. It's actually kind of cool. Like how they just like are like referencing like a lot, of, like almost like that era, like military movies. Yeah, the and um, so yeah, they. They take their uh, their sorry, welted asses back to the alley, and the gang's all a bit shook up. Somebody gets the wrong beer. Dale can't keep himself together. Mm-hmm. He pronounces charade or charade charade. Yeah, <laughs> and he's uh, what's it called? Um, yeah, <laughs> God, they're all just like literally shell shocked. Yeah, and then literally. um, we get. Hank going back inside after getting frustrated with everybody being uh being so shook up and sees Luann giving Bobby the smallest rat tail ever because <laughs> he wants to be like Kane Skedeberg Skredeberg Skirtberg Skirtberg Scat Scat Barge um and then later that night Hank tries to settle down he's laying in bed with Heggy and trying to go to sleep. And then he has what can only be described as a acid flashback to Vietnam. Like, yeah, I love this nightmare sequence. It's all of the colors get inverted to like pinks and greens. Mm -hmm. Everybody's faces are getting distorted like this. Everybody's running and then like getting shot and then falling into like a pit of like paint. And it is. I I don't want to, you know, speak for you here. Definitely would love to hear your feedback on this because I'm. 
probably the least weeb on this podcast, but uh, to me, this is like the most prime example we've seen so far of like, oh, King of the Hill's American anime. Like this, this is anime yeah. as fuck. Well, it's yeah. Any any <laughs> any of those like special sequences, and I feel like they do them a lot more like visually wild like that in these first couple seasons mm -hmm. but like you don't also even notice just, unless you're looking for it yeah like, i don't remember a lot of this like that i know i've referenced it a couple times since we started season two but like the ending of season two is like one of my like top five all-time favorite episodes of the series um but it's just the absolute absurdity of the situations that unfold in these episodes mm -hmm. and shit but like yeah using the the paintball colors like for like the the flashback like super good nightmare is was such a good idea it was so so sick but um yeah hank wakes up and then decides that he's gotta gotta rally the alley gang and that they've gotta go rematch them so they go back over to the Skedabergs and uh, challenge Kane and his friends to uh, a rematch. And Kane's like, well, my car, uh, <laughs> my car broke down. And then quick cutaway to them fixing Kane's Which car. I, I, I have to say, like, this is like how the gang cucks people, right? Like fixing a man's car in front of him has to be like the most insulting thing the gang can do to these teenagers that don't even realize they're being cucked. Yeah, I mean, straight up, if someone wants to car cook me, somebody stole my catalytic converter. So <laughs> oh, if no. you want to come uh, put a new one back in, that's can... that's my kink. Yeah, I'll, that's I'll, my I'll, kink. I'll just Drop random that if you fix uh, Graf's car. Yeah, ran random car maintenance. Just you don't even have to tell me that you did it. Just know that you helped me. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> They uh they get Kane's car working and then we get a fast cut to um what's it called? Uh fast cut to them losing at the fun yeah. center to their rematch, and mm -hmm. then another cut to the alley gang hanging out with Pops and admitting that they are old. And that mm -hmm. uh full circle. Pop yeah, Pops trying to explain, like, you know, it's it it doesn't get better. It only gets worse. It's a fast downhill ride from here on out, I think is what he says. Um, and then you hear the uh, Kane's car starting and he's in the back and he drives by, does a drive by with the paintball on Bill. And Pop, my favorite sequence in this episode is this, where he's just like, Pops is like, if you shake your fist at them, they won't come back. And then he <laughs> shakes his fist. They turn around and pop Bill again. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Pops couldn't be more wrong. He 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 has not understood the youth. Yes. So that segues into Hank having a an epiphany that he's got to learn to understand the teenagers to fight them, which is the most like late nineties like TV trope bullshit I've ever heard in my life. But anyways um it works for the episode though yeah in a, a another episode that gets real shoehorned in real quick at the end <laughs> um it, there's a little montage of the gang just like observing teenagers throughout their week and they see that oh they get goofy around girls <laughs> um they're cre or they're super cruel and they like to make fun of people so 
they go back, they cut Skedeberg's electricity, and they're like, hey, motherfuckers, this time it's all or nothing. And they're like, all right, old man. Um, they do a wager I've, of, they do of a Bill's wager. leaf blower versus uh, Kane's amplifier. Yeah. Because uh, it's for real. This third time, it's for real. <laughs> yeah. Also showing that, like, I feel like that's an inside joke to the Alley Gang, where they're just like, this leaf blower is a worse shit. We're, we yeah. don't have fucking anything on the line. They're, they're really not truly wagering anything. Exactly. Um, so we cut to the fun center and the game begins. And uh, we start out with Bill um, complaining loudly to the void. And uh, he has used his bait. He is shot. Mm-hmm. But Boomhauer and Dale. We get a nice little two his... for one. We, yeah, we take his... in in uh in shooters we we uh we would say we take those when that yeah we take those i don't i mean i don't play shooters anymore i'm so bad at them but <laughs> it's okay i'm terrible too yeah we have dale actually being a total badass uh killer uh with with the luan voicemail yeah and he's he's playing luan's voice on a tape recorder and uh the the it makes the teenager fall out of the tree because he hears a hot girl and uh you know dale plays the rest of the tape and it's just like please leave a voicemail after the beep and dale just goes beep pop shoots him and it's just like damn dale's actually kind of a badass now yeah and then dale immediately loses that credit by showing off and shooting boomhauer who is in a tree directly above him I am the world. Here, hang on, I have it written down. I am the world's most efficient kill, or I'm the world's most efficient killing machine. And then he like basically immediately gets shot. Yeah. Um, but I I do like that. Uh, Boomhauer actually mentions. Um, you dang old frag me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which like the fact that they're using fragged as lingo. Just quick shout out to any of the other shooter boys. That's like very early shooter, like early two thousands, late nineties. Like I don't know. If, I don't know if Quake Unreal, was around in 97. Unreal but... Tournament too, yeah, baby. exactly. <laughs> like, people that were doing the crazy bunny hops and Quake shit. Like, there was definitely someone that... Whoever wrote that was was a fragger, for sure. <laughs> After that little... little uh, Basically, thinning the whole herd. So everybody is out except for Hank and Kane. Uh, you get Kane walking around and goes up to the ball guy and ball guy's like yeah he went over that way except for it's hank so now hank mm-hmm. is following kane and kane doesn't know where to go and then hank becomes the man who shot <laughs> kane skredeberg yeah and the then Ray uh, becomes the predator yeah no it, this this whole little sequence of the the back and forth with, yeah. with the final match is, is like really good for me i think it works and they uh, quickly finish up, shoot over to uh, Kane's house where they're trying to play their electric instruments with uh, and it no just amps. Sucks. And it just sucks. And then they open the garage, and there's a flaming <laughs> dog or a flaming bag on the driveway. It's like, oh no, this will start a fire. Like the Good way Lord. that, yeah, the way that. Uh, trey cool does that like drop an inflection yeah, where he's like so oh my good. goodness yeah. but um it's a flaming bag of dog shit they got the kids alley gang reign supreme nobody will top them on rainy street ever they yeah. won their titles back 
yeah it's it's a very cool way to to close out the episode like i said to me that that episode is such a, a heavy hitter like just great dialogue throughout it and you know has aged well and it's, oh yeah it's just no, fun it's just it's funny as shit the entire time i think it's just like you said it's super cool and i i just want to figure out how that came to fruition to just be like hey let's get green day to voice these guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um i don't know probably if i had to guess i would say like people were just chilling at parties and like yo we're doing this king of the hill thing you want to hang out <laughs> like and it just you True. know sometimes particularly of that time i feel like that's just like how people networked it was like um, not quite pre-internet uh, but like almost pre-internet or at least internet well also i mainstream. feel like i feel like yeah there were definitely green day videos on um beavis and butthead too mm. so i feel like you know someone knew I, someone yeah but all right that wraps up the second episode and for Which you guys we'll bring it to the sun that got away to me, this is this is the least strong episode of this series. Yeah, of that. I mean, of this this session of three, which lucky you guys, you guys got a three parter this time. Um, but yeah, it's not not my favorite. I do like it a lot though. I for some reason I've seen this episode like a hundred times, like yeah, more than I've I feel seen like all. it was like the first episode on like one of the like dvd sets or yeah. something like that yeah but i've seen this episode so many times mm -hmm. it was originally aired november 23rd 1997 um it was directed by trisha garcia she directed 26 king of the hill episodes um directed one episode of mission hill which we've talked about in the past but a little weird indie adults one of like the first adult swim cartoons i think mm -hmm, mm -hmm. back in the day and then also of course worked on the simpsons it was written by jim dotrieve who is actually the namesake for bill um he's a longtime writer and contributor on the show and everything um he since has worked on bob's burgers pretty much as an executive producer through the entire series and on the movie um, but he also weirdly worked on Sweet Life of Zack and Cody through almost mm -hmm. the entire series as well, which I was like, that's a weird non sequitur. Yeah. Yeah, just one one more quick note on the, the episode. I, I do think I think this episode is important. It sets up some good character development. But to me, again, just like the dialogue and everything else falls short. But like we were talking right before we started this episode and like even the like worst episodes of king of the hill are still pretty good like there's still some really good like little yeah and this isn't and even like i do want to preface this with yes this is an important episode for king of the hill it's not necessarily the funniest but we'll kind of see we never really get back into like hank's unmentionable problem area of bad episodes after yeah. season two we net like it doesn't it kind of misses in other ways later on, but like it's never like it doesn't f miss and completely flop. I guess. Yeah, you know? yeah, I would agree so, with that for the most part. But yeah, this is a mad, mad important episode. This is episode about the kids, which I think this is the first like Connie Joseph Bobby episode. Yeah, like the yeah. the 
the tiny alley gang getting together. But we get the opening, and then right after the show intro, starting out, we get Bobby and Connie in choir class just goofing around, singing dumb made Class up clown. And, and to, I think the like big vibe here is like, Bobby's being funny, but he's being, he's being a little flirty. He's, he's yeah. trying to get Connie's attention. Yeah, he always likes Connie. They they it's very it's very obvious in an like innocent way, especially because they're still writing Connie and Bobby and Joseph like as like kids and not like young teenagers or teenagers mm-hmm. and shit at this point. Um, yeah, you know it's kind of cute, funny. Yeah. Um, but they get in trouble the uh, choir teacher is like why are you disgracing this scottish or this scottish folk song it's in its <laughs> majesty the um, teacher's such a fucking dork dude i, I want to yeah, bully he's, him he's i'm literally i've seen so many shows reference the little like key kazoo thing i know i'm ma- i'm making a visual motion to you in a audio yeah. platform <laughs> <laughs> the little thing he wears around his neck and go like blows and it like sets a key or whatever mm-hmm. i've never seen one of those in real life i'm like is that only made up for cartoons why would they put that in on I mean, that where chip? are they getting the noise if it's made up mm. Mm. great mysteries in science <laughs> um but so choir teacher decides to call uh their parents in and give them like a disciplinary meeting and so Khan and Hank make their way down to the school. I, I love their their meet because they arrive at the parking lot at the same time. And uh, Khan's initial reaction to Hank is like, "You here to read the gas meter, right? This, that that your job?" <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> "No, Khan." <laughs> yeah how how do you how do you piss off Hank Hill? You you insult his his propane legacy. And it's li- the only two people that are willing actually we'll meet the third in next week's episode because i watch an episode ahead and it is not next week but next episode yeah the net yeah you get what i'm saying (laughs) the next one we're covering after this is uh the the introduction of the devil incarnate but um the yeah the only two people that ever really admonish hank about being a assistant uh manager at strickland propane are con and cotton because <laughs> i feel like they're also both the only people that aren't like con is not afraid of hank con like yeah is just waiting for the day even though i think like they become friends later but like con is just waiting to like fight hank and oh yeah hank no, I mean, he, he hates the hillbillies he, he says yeah. it all the time he's con, con, <laughs> con's about as racist although the intent is like different Khan is about as racist as the gang is to him but it's like kind of like playfully racist you know i was gonna say yeah both of them are like shitty people who like making shitty jokes and it's just it's good that it's a tv show and they're put together those two are put together and it's not like somebody shitty being shitty to a nice person that doesn't yeah yeah it. totally no it's, it's all satire we're all, we're all having fun here <laughs> but uh yeah so both the dads meet up and they have a couple words out in the parking lot and then both go in after they figure out that uh both of the kids are there because of each other and the dads are both blaming each other's kids on 
distracting or like leading the other one astray. So they leave and uh, both decide punishments for their children. But there's one funny ass thing I did see. I almost skipped it in my notes. When Hank is trying to get Bobby to explain himself at the school, like, why were you doing that? He was like, I was just trying to be like Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> and <laughs> Hank delivers one of my favorite quotes ever. Al Yankovic blew his brains out in the late 80s when people stopped going to his shows and buying his records. You don't want to be anything like him. And I was just like, I was like he doesn't belly get it. laughing, dude. Oh my god. Um, also, quick thing on that sequence that I thought was really great is uh, Hank fucking, like the, the music teacher is like blowing the key thing in their faces like while Khan and Hank argue. And like Hank like yanks it off the dude's neck and just like puts it in like classic like kind of Hank like light bullying fashion in a way that I was like oh thank god someone's gonna fucking bully this dweeb. <laughs> he like puts it up on like a high shelf that he can't reach <laughs> you know <laughs> god damn it that's too funny fuck I didn't even notice that part dads can't compliment each other they can't work it out so they take the kids home and dole out their punishments. Bobby is uh, told to clean out the gutters of the Hill House, and then uh, Connie is forced to mow the lawn of the Con mm-hmm. residence. Bobby gets uh, attacked by a blue jay <laughs> while cleaning. Yeah, incredibly dangerous for like an eleven-year-old to be doing. So dangerous to be doing because i cleaned the gutters when i was that age but yeah there was someone outside with me you can't just leave a kid on the roof alone because they're gonna yeah. fall off but um what's it called literally yesterday i was out on my balcony you know what buzzed by my head and didn't leave my balcony for like three hours a blue jay and i was the like universe, man i can't get a moment of peace in my life <laughs> Not one. They're I beautiful pay birds, here. but they are assholes. I pay rent here, bird. You don't. You can't come on my balcony. God. They, they were here first, Graf. Go easy on them. I guarantee you I'm older than that bird. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, goodness. So he falls off, and then we get a brief interaction with Hank and um, Con, and Hank being like, you're rewarding Connie for for acting up in school he's like no i'm just trying to show it show her what it's like if uh she said i think like acts like you settled yeah, yeah settles down with bobby is like in how it's gonna be from now on <laughs> no so basically what happens is uh bobby and connie kind of notice each other doing doing their respective punishments and they link up and they decide like screw this we're gonna we're gonna be young cute children in love and and ditch together and uh they connie hops on bobby's bike they start biking off and bobby's like well we, we gotta bring joseph and uh joseph well, like, kind of do, do we have to bring joseph yeah connie, connie's not into it and bobby's just like clearly not picking up on cues uh but they're they're both bobby's homies and he just wants to hang out with his homies you know and uh, he uh is 12. i'll give him yeah. that yeah, of course. And, you know, Joseph conveniently comes onto screen, and uh, we, we have 
them like almost kind of like fighting for Bobby's friendship, you know, like I forgot what Joseph said he wants to do, like go fucking kick rocks or something like that. And, or th- I think he said throw rocks off the freeway or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And uh, Connie wants to go sit in the library and talk and, you know, Bobby's into both of the ideas, but you know, obviously Connie and, and Joseph have, have different ideas of fun. Um, but eventually they end up settling on, sneaking into the, the caves. caves when they decide to go to the caves um we get a cut of them going over to the like gas station like quick stop or whatever um the in and out <laughs> i think is what they call or yeah the get in get out that's what it's called in <laughs> which Canada. real real quick i want to make a shout out to one of the silliest fucking convenience store names i've ever seen in my life not only that i'm like out here living in colorado we have the come and go I was gonna Spelled say K U M. How and how did nobody go. like pick up on that as like being fucking weird, you know? <laughs> Maybe they just leaned into it. I don't know. I don't Maybe know what you're talking about. It's just shortened for I'm I'm being gaslit about a gas station. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, the, we get their their little uh supply truck to the the come and go the get in get out i thought this was so funny because i remember as a kid like where i grew up i i grew up in like central florida so we had like you know it's not like down in like a city or somewhere like we could ride our bikes around and go find like some woods or some land to go ride around and yeah sure or do whatever but we would do the same shit when we like We'd either like all get I up. I never for went the into day. any caves. <laughs> well, there's no caves in Florida, but like yeah. we'd go out into the woods for like all fucking day, and our parents would just be like, "Be home before it gets dark out." Mm-hmm. And like we all almost died all the time. It was great. Yeah, but... I would say the dangerous thing for me, like kind of in a similar, more suburban vein, was like running around people's backyards uh definitely like a thing that you should not let your fucking kids be doing but like especially in a state like florida where like motherfuckers will just shoot you for like you know looking at them the wrong way yeah but i mean what i was gonna say is just i it was very wholesome because i remember going into the kangaroo on malabar and americana in my hometown Mm -hmm. and going and getting like a soda and like some chips and like a bottle of water and being like putting in my backpack and be like, all right, cool. I'm going to be fine all day. And it's like, (laughs) you're out there. Like we're children out there, like in a hundred degree weather in the summer, having the great time and like literally surviving off of like Doritos, hot fries and water. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, I just thought that it brought back such like a, a point in my childhood seeing that I was like, no, I I can definitely relate to that. Just like walking to the convenience store and like living off of 800 calories of, of sugar and salt. Yeah. Also we get a good, uh, good quote from Bobby, uh, that he is being instilled in from his dad. Uh, what's it called? Joseph comes over with some butane for their light or for their candles or their lighter. And he's like, my dad says butane is a bastard gas. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's a great line. I, I I took that down too. I I thought that was yeah super super funny. We get um after they leave the convenience store, we get the con the dads con and Hank 
realize that both the kids are gone and they have absconded together. And also Dale appears. <laughs> Which first I know Joseph is in this episode, but I was like, why is Dale in this so much? But mm-hmm. I think that's well, the joke. Well, Joseph is missing at this point as well. Yeah. Right? But at this point, before they do all of the, the Dale Joseph bonding episodes, it's still like you're expected for like the whole joke is still that like Joseph is very yeah. much not his child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we but, get a little bit uh, of that later. Yeah, and uh, so they all go off looking for the kids um, and cut back to the kids trying to find the cave. They run into uh, little nerd boy Randy, and Randy's flying his dumb Such little... Fu- what is up with all the fucking dorks in this episode? Like, this, this, try- kid, this kid uh, really just kind of pissed me off. He's, he just seems like a buzzkill. I don't know. He's in the, the first episode. He's yeah. in, or not in the first episode, the first season. He's in uh, Order, Order of the Straight Arrow. Arrow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and he's a little narc then, too. Yeah. But um, basically, they're just like, fuck you, Randy. Go play with your plane. Yeah, Bobby's a little ha- apprehensive to go into the caves, but they they all they all make their way on. You'll be sorry. Yeah, as, and as then going in, fucking smacks him <laughs> himself in the head with his plane like immediately after. But then, uh, yeah, the kids or the dads start spreading the news, and um, parents are all out looking. Then Peggy decides to come home and calm down for a little bit. Mm-hmm. kids are gonna come back they're somewhere so she sits down in the living room with luann and luann is watching monsignor martinez this is, this is such a good recurring joke for me it is a god i like i'm i don't care this episode's gonna be long anyways i don't give a fuck so Monsignor Martinez is probably one of my favorite reoccurring things in the entire show. Like in it gets so this much our first interaction with it, right? I'm pretty sure this is the first Monsignor Martinez. And while I was taking notes and doing light research, I found out that um there was actually going to be a live action spinoff for Monsignor Martinez that they were going to record for like a one-time like gag episode and or something like that and they shot a lot of it and then it just never got released that's tragic like there's a cast list and everything like Johnny Hardwick wrote it Um, or not Johnny Hardwick one of them um, actually I think no Jim Dotry wrote it he's the one who wrote it and directed it or something and like it just never got released it got shot in like 2000 I wonder if that'll ever come out. I hope so. That's probably saved on some hard drive somewhere. If I tell you what does anything in this world besides bring people together for King of the Hill, if we can make our mission to recover the lost media that is Monsignor Martinez, the live action movie. I could I could die happy. Yeah, I would I would feel like I accomplished my quest, what I was put here to do. <laughs> yeah, we get Monsignor Martinez, which is, if anybody who doesn't know, it's a uh, Mexican priest, and he has an action show in the King of the Hill universe. We actually meet him in person way down the line, like season seven or some shit. 
he's just kind of there whenever they're watching tv and it's not the news and it's not um nancy on the the weather on the news it's monsignor martinez yeah um so it's monsignor martinez in los dias y las noches de monsignor martinez he he has rented a sports car and the name of some babies that he's pushing off of a cliff yeah so he it starts out with him baptizing these like babies and then it cuts back to luann being like uh monsignor martinez rented those cars in the honor rented that car in the honor of the twins and then it cuts back and he just goes vaya con dios which is his (laughs) catchphrase and pushes the car off the cliff for no reason and that's it that's the whole monsignor martinez episode it's fucking great i love it I I want like a super cut. I'm sure there is, but I'm gonna look up later a super cut of just every Monsignor Martinez clip. Like, yeah, no, they we need some Monsignor. I'm, I'm gonna butcher the name because white. Uh, we need some Monsignor Martinez uh, merch. Honestly, like he's Ooh. he's so good. Uh, the kids end up finding the boneyard, um, and pretty much simultaneously, we we get a cut to the adults finding out the kids are at the caves and uh they're they're of course uh ratted on by by fucking randy i I did the right thing uh you know he's he's with his dad at the fucking like model plane store store yes you did we're we legally are not responsible for your children anymore (laughs) like (laughs) Just, okay. just a nonstop buzz kills. This is all those dudes are. Um, so the dads uh, decide to head over to the cave after explaining to uh, Khan that that is where Arlen, Ar- most of Arlen's unwanted pregnancies uh, occur. Is at mm-hmm. the boneyard mm-hmm. in the caves. Um, I do also want to reiterate with, I'm sure you have heard of this, but. For a second, I caught myself being like, why are these, why are the parents, like, besides the whole, like, fuck cave thing, which is weird to begin with, why are these parents just so, like, pissed off about their kids going to explore and shit? But then, I don't know if you guys have ever seen Mr. Ballin on YouTube, or just watched anything about caving, and cave diving, and cave exploration. Oh, spelunking is terrifying. Children should never be allowed near a hole in the ground ever the worst one i saw by far look up the nutty putty cave incident if you want to be very scared of being in tight spaces it's fucked up and yeah that's i can after thinking about it i can definitely understand why the parents were yeah of course so no i don't i don't want to fucking go in a cave and I've, i've watched stuff on it you know it's, yeah. it's an opportunity in, in many places in this country. People are into that. But then we get get a cut back to uh, the kids hanging out in the boneyard. The boys find a playboy. Um, I think it's funny that Connie mentions. I think it's very funny that Con, Connie mentions when they see the playboy that uh, she asked if Norman Mailer had a uh, <laughs> article in it. And Norman Mailer is like a crazy prolific writer and filmmaker and stuff go check his shit out he's like i i didn't even know who i was gonna ask if you knew who he was because I, I didn't get the, the man did so much highly recommend looking into his stuff it's crazy but um he was a lot like hunter s thompson he kind of started 
new journalism in mm-hmm. the early 60s and stuff like that. The the sequence here with the kids in the cave, though, is um, kind of interesting. We get a lot of cutback between the parents and the kids. They're kind of like simultaneously figuring out that the kids are there as, as the kids are like running through or getting to getting lost getting to the boneyard right? or like i mean they're already at the boneyard but like we have them burning through the uh convenience store goods that they've they've uh acquired for their adventure the the scented candles connie uh bought and uh bobby is like eating all of the food because he's he's anxious about the situation and there's a lot of like kind of like uh weird like jealousy love triangle things happening between the kids also like when they get to the boneyard joseph takes off his shirt to like help bobby up like as like a arm extension sort of deal but he's like you know way more toned and yeah he's 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 more he's more fit for uh he's not a husky boy yeah (laughs) exactly let's see so um after that we finally get the uh the families and everybody converging on the caves um and they go to find the entrance and everything and uh hank and con decide to go in dale yep. decide elects to stay out and go get the rest of the family and everything yep. like that then we cut back to the kids and uh the candles go out and everybody's mm-hmm. freaking out for a second and then bobby remembers he has glow sticks pops one open and what does he see his best friend and the girl he likes holding hands oh, holding God. hands this, right in front is, of him this is like some like traumatic preteen yeah. shit because i feel no, like we've all been there <laughs> yeah. everybody has had their heart broken by something that would literally not bother me in any sense of the like and that sense like ever now you know yeah exactly exactly that is such a small gesture i'd be like oh you got scared and then it's like when you're 12 years old you're like oh my god they're gonna get married (laughs) like (laughs) but yeah um and bobby's real upset he's eating all the food and they're out of food now and bobby's just like listen we're lost if uh it comes to it I want you guys to eat me first. <laughs> and <laughs> Connie's super touched. And so, so is Joseph. So is Joseph. And mm-hmm. then you get the line from Bobby. I'm going to die friendless and alone like weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> or like, <laughs> and then, yeah. Yeah. He, he alludes to uh, Connie and Joseph also having kids. Children. Like, you got yeah. to gotta think about the kids. And it's just like that immediate, like, immediately makes them like okay i don't want to fucking touch you that's gross yeah. it's icky. <laughs> am i pregnant from holding your hand <laughs> but um texas yeah. sex, uh, sex education is probably something along those lines yes uh <laughs> we should get a person from texas to be on this episode we do a lot of texas speculation yeah we really do but um we what's it called we uh cut back to hank and con trying to navigate to the boneyard and they fall into a a beer pit an empty pit of beer cans and they realize that they're lost and Mm -hmm. basically hank and 
Khan get to talking about like uh, where they both got to second base for the first time. Hank kind of fumbling over his words and Khan realizing and just being telling him how to say it in uh, Laos, Laotian, Laotian, mm-hmm. Laotian, sorry. Um, I didn't write it down because I knew I was going to mispronounce it and I didn't want to embarrass myself. Yeah, but it's it's this cool little bonding sequence between yeah. between uh, Hank and Khan. Like it's just a co- couple of dudes being guys, you know? Yeah. A couple of guys being dudes. What's better than Dude, this? Dudes being bros, bros being dudes. Ain't nothing gay about jerking off your homie in the shower. Or watching your homie <laughs> Ex- jerk off in the shower. You know? Exactly. You're not touching anything. Uh, <laughs> or in a, um, a cave or a pit of empty beer cans. Exactly. There, there was, there's a good sequence right before this with, because all, all the, the entire block has, I guess, decided to crowd around the caves. And I, I do love this, you know, the series of just like picking on, on Dale bits uh with you know red corn is there nancy is there and um dale is there and i i, I wrote this out because i thought it was so funny dale yeah. has a line that's just like there's nothing in there's nothing that lovers can do in there that could possibly take this long and red corn chimes and he's like well yes if you only consider your own needs and uh obviously this makes nancy super uncomfortable and she's like oh oh gosh i need a beer honey you want one and like red corn and dale both say yes and dale's response is just like how did he know i wanted a beer yeah dude. <laughs> my god it's so good uh, it's so good, i was dude. dying that's that's i i think that's maybe the best part of this episode like i said the, to me the dialogue falls so short but that that little sequence there is just yeah yes no it's great i mean it's just it's dale being dale that's that's mm-hmm. uh that's prime prime gribbleness but then we cut back right i'm pretty sure right after that is when hank and uh yeah hank, hank and connor talking. having a little bonding thing yeah and they have their bonding thing i think it's really funny too because uh con's just like listen i know i like i'm happy that bob bobby's down there with uh connie and joseph you know like he's a good boy i can trust him and he's like oh like you're not worried about uh joseph he's like oh i'm worried about joseph his whole family's like a tennessee williams play which i thought if you're a <laughs> fucking nerd like me that is a sick burn like <laughs> that is a huge insult but like he's totally right but um yeah what's it called they uh end up or the kids end up just walking around and are starting to hear their dad's laughing i think connie and bobby hear their dad's laughing and getting along and they start moving towards the voices and they end up falling into the beer pit and the two boys are throwing the beer empty beer cans into another hole which Mm -hmm. for our male audience that's the shit. I love throwing rocks into other chasms, you know. I love seeing things just <laughs> I, fall. I, I do enjoy throwing some rocks. You, you know what's a good activity I've been enjoying while I'm out here is uh, throwing rocks at, like, half-frozen lakes and watching the ice break? Oof. Satisfying. Yes. I, I need that in my life. Um, but we, uh, what's it called? Finally have the dads and the kids together. It was funny, you know, Hank and bobby hug con and connie hug and then hank reaches out and shakes joseph 
Joseph's yeah. hand. <laughs> just a very respectful, like, just classic Hank Hill moment. Yeah. And then uh, we get the, uh, or Hank sees the kids throwing the beer into another hole, and he's like, man, where did this beer come from? Immediately gets uh, splashed with an empty beer, and it's Boomhauer. Yeah. And by the way, their plan to this point is to hope that Dale Gribble, like, you know, gets the fire department and saves them, which is clearly not a great plan. But I, I love that we get, you know, Boomhauer in here is clearly just like, he's he's into cave fucking, you know? We, we find out one of Boomhauer's, I'm sure, many kinks. Well, I think he just likes to fuck. I don't think it matters <laughs> you, about the location. You don't think it's his thing? No. Because no. his whole house is like a, he's like the way less creepy quagmire. Like, he's just yeah. like a ultra bachelor but um nah because boomhauer is just there to have moral support or add moral support and he's just getting drunk on top of the cave like he saved them by accident he didn't know where they were because like he drops the beer in and then it mm -hmm. hits hank and hank's like who threw that and he's like dang oh i can barely hear you and he's like boomhauer i can't understand a word you're saying you're gonna need to get help and then they <laughs> I'll get I'll get rescued. It starts to resolve. The parents aren't mad. You know, they yeah. found their kids and everybody's safe. We get a cute little uh resolution where Hank's like, you know what, Bobby and Joseph, they're not kids. They rode their bikes here, they can ride their bikes home. Which again hit me straight in the childhood. Like yeah. reminded me. You did me of something bad, but like we're just stoked you're okay. Yeah. And uh on their bike ride home, you get the boys talking about like a classic Con 12, 13 year old girl conversation. Yeah, I think Connie likes you. It's like, no, nah, Connie likes you. Well, you got to hold her hand. Well, psh, 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 like back and forth. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't like her. You like her. Whatever. Yeah. And uh, in about a year when you guys hit puberty, you're going to be punching each other in the face over it. So enjoy it while it lasts, you know. <laughs> It's innocent. Yeah, that, that's men go sorry. from innocent to angry real quick <laughs> between twelve. <laughs> the and cave, 15. the caveman instinct does really, uh, really do be kicking in at some point. But you know, it's, it's but, nice uh, to try and grow out of that, boys. Right? Yeah, you know, it, the cavemen out there listening. It's understandable, but it's not excusable. Yeah, there we go. Good. Well, for well a, said. For, for a short amount of time, this is why I, I don't enjoy anybody. That's not an adult. I don't hang out with kids. I <laughs> what a take. Goes without saying. <laughs> on on record here, we have Ryan Croft <laughs> making it very clear. I don't hang out with kids. But this episode, I don't know. Like it like I said, to me, it is really for the most part falls short on dialogue, but like like we have both kind of like made pretty clear, like it is pretty important for like series development and it, like, you gotta few good little quips and here here and there yeah i think this is like not the first time you see that bobby really likes connie um but it's but the first I time you see it fleshed out fleshed out and i also think that you can see the the undertones of connie also liking bobby but it's Joseph. not like a one way or well no i mean connie like reciprocating bobby's feelings mm -hmm. i think she like she holds joseph's hand and thinks joseph's cute but I think like her she likes really... Bobby. Yeah. 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 So that's that's it for our three episodes this week or this. Yeah. 
Yeah, we we had a, we had a long one, but a good one today. And, yeah, and uh, we appreciate you sticking around with us, listening, and, and just enjoying some good old King of the Hill, some some late '90s, early 2000s adult animation sitcom gold with us. Yes, um, yes. And before we head out, um, I did want, or we were talking about it before the uh, podcast, and we have talked about it before or in the past, but we're actually putting a date on it. We're going to do it. We're going to do a uh, first run, give a stream a shot for recording our next week's episode. So we're going to be streaming while we record it. We're going to hang out for a little bit afterwards. If people are watching, you guys can ask us questions hang out with us while we just fuck around yeah yeah bring bring mimosas get yourself some uh shitty prosecco and orange juice and and hang out have some yeah have some sunday brunch exactly it's good it's gonna be a an an alamo and brunch or just a just i tell you brunch or if you don't like if you don't drink just make some waffles hang out yeah just hang out um but we're gonna do it on the 27th coming up um so we're gonna do it try to do it around two o'clock eastern time um which would be 12 o'clock mountain time 11 o'clock pacific and one Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. central i don't know why i said it in that order but (laughs) um yeah we're gonna i think it'll be cool if you guys like watching um basically what we're gonna do i'll say it right now my twitch channel is uh twitch.tv slash southern fried rye um just ry at the end uh you i'll be streaming from there um and that's what we'll probably do for like the first stream or two just while we're figuring it out um but you can watch it there i'll put everything up on our instagram as well links and stuff and remind you throughout the week but yeah sunday the 27th around uh noonish we'll be uh posting and letting you guys know when we're going to be going live so it'll be be cool if you guys want to watch and see what happens in real time and see all the shit that gets cut out <laughs> later on all all the ums and ahs exactly um cool well thank you so much everybody for listening uh, just a couple quick credits for y'all um uh, as always we appreciate aiden made us that gorgeous art and it was you know really like last minute you came out with such like a, a good fucking cover piece for us yes and sir. then um of course arizona landmine the <laughs> inactive band that lets us uh use their music for the intro and outro but i, I think it still still rips and it feels very fitting um so we, we appreciate uh all, all the creators involved in this and uh graph you got any other creators you want to you want to remind folks of um yourself? you know i like i said i'm still working with um i'm helping i'm not gonna say working because i'm doing the most minuscule shit it's actually really fucking cool what they're doing um my friend lexi and alice and sophia are all doing for lexi's uh culinary channel eat my peppermint snatch it's like three women who are doing cool ass shit it's all produced and made by them it's like very very cool i'm super proud to like help them with anything awesome um and then uh as always you can check out my photography instagram bury me in analog underscore and then uh just thank you to 
anybody that's sharing this like show your friends so we can keep streaming for more people keep keep this ball rolling keep doing cool shit yeah absolutely all right so thank you everyone for listening uh hope you are good and good at it uh love y'all peace peace want to take a bite mmm so fresh and delicious maybe just a taste oh, oh it's not ready all right gamer all right gamer <laughs>